athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. The year went by fast, that's a well-known fact. So for one last time, I'm gonna run it back. So y'all pull up. It's 2022, it's box to row, it's Donald Ware with you here on the program. Our first official program of 2022. Hope the last couple of weeks you've enjoyed our year-end review show and some of the great conversations we had in 2021 with some of our great guests. Got a lot to get to on today's program. Want to talk some college football. We had, of course, the semifinals between Michigan and Georgia, between Alabama and Cincinnati. Want to talk more about that. I'm going to tell you what, 2022 has not gotten off to a good start at all. We've had quite a few people that have passed away and also towards the latter part of 2021, some big names that we're going to talk about uh, today here on the program. I want you to sit back, relax for about the next 58 minutes or so and enjoy the program. Thank you to all of our great affiliates. We announced our affiliates last week. If you didn't hear that, of course, you can log on uh, to our website and check out uh, all of our shows that we've had for the past year or so, and especially the year in review show where we mentioned our outstanding affiliates. For instance, we'll look at WGBN in Pittsburgh. It's been carrying the show 2008, since 2008. February 2008 was the first time Box to Row carried the show. I remember it well. We were at the Super Bowl in Phoenix in 2008, and it was the first time that WGBN carried the program. It's been carrying the program every or ever since. That is 2008, 2022, 14 years WGBN has been carrying the program. So thank you to those listeners in Pittsburgh and those that listen uh, to us on radio stations across the country. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141, 142, and 84, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. So we've got a national championship matchup between Alabama and Georgia, who throughout the course of the season have been the two best teams in football. You look at Georgia undefeated all the way up into the SEC championship game where Alabama State just rolled Georgia, right? But you knew Georgia was going to be in the playoff. And, I mean, I thought that Georgia was going to handle its business against Michigan, which it ultimately did. I didn't know it was going to be to that degree. I thought that Michigan would put up a little bit more 
uh, resistance. But, I mean, at the same time, Georgia just dominant in the football game, right? Like, that, the Georgia defense is unbelievable, and you wonder uh, why it couldn't get it done, meaning the Georgia defense ultimately against Alabama. But you see Kirby Smart, the coach, he's, he's getting on players and, and all of that, even in the victory against Michigan. He knows he's got to get on them now because even though the Bulldogs manhandled Michigan, you don't want those same mistakes happening against Alabama. So he was coaching ahead. And I don't know. I think Georgia's going to make some adjustments. I think it's going to be a good football game. And, you know, I'll give you maybe give you a prediction uh, a little bit later on in the program. But Georgia absolutely dominating, absolutely dominating from a defensive perspective, absolutely dominating. Okay, you look at Michigan, uh, uh, throws two interceptions as a team in the game, passing for 237 yards in the football game, but couldn't run the football to save, the Wolverines couldn't run the football to save their lives. Okay, and that's that Georgia defense, which is absolutely spectacular. Meanwhile, for Georgia, you look at Stetson Bennett, had a really, really good game through for three touchdowns, no interceptions in the ball game, and Georgia did a good job of running the football. So it was an absolutely dominating performance, no doubt, by the Bulldogs. I mean, i got to be honest with you, and, and listen, I'm all about smaller schools. I'm all about underdogs. I'm all about it. I'm here for it, right? And I had been saying all year, Prior to Cincinnati actually getting, I think, what was that, the number three or number four seed the first week or the first week it was in when those rankings came out and it never dropped out of the rankings. Although I think if, you know, maybe Oklahoma State handles its business or, you know, something else happens, perhaps uh, Cincinnati would have ultimately fallen out. But I thought that Cincinnati would have a better showing against Alabama. Now, Alabama, no question about it dominated the football game and where it dominated the football game was from the defensive side uh, of the football. Yeah. I like the way Alabama ran the football. Like I, like to me, I think Nick Saban and staff doesn't knew they could really, they knew they could run the football against the Bearcats, right? Like you don't want to give too much away. They, they want to ha- no question. You got to handle your business against the Bearcats. Right, because if you lose that game, you don't get to go on and play in the national championship game. Didn't know at the time, ultimately, that uh, the Crimson Tide would be facing uh, Georgia, but I, I think they had a strong suspicion that they would be. Either way, you don't show a whole lot. You run the football. You get Brian jo- uh, Robinson out there who rushes for nearly 200 yards, dominated. Right, Bryce Young passing when he had to pass the football. Right. And I'm going to tell you what, I think it could have been different, a little bit different for Cincinnati if the offensive line had played a little bit better, had a couple of balls that were batted down right on key on, in, in key moments for the Bearcats, right? You look at the numbers for Desmond Ritter. I have him in front of me, 17 to 32, 144 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That's against an elite college defense. This kid is supposed to be a first-round draft pick. So what is he going to do against a defense in the National Football League? Is that an indictment on him? 
Is it an indictment on the offensive line not doing a better job in certain situations? Is it an indictment on the running game? Uh, perhaps couldn't run the football. Or is it just because Alabama has an absolutely phenomenal defense? I mean, I think it may be the latter. But, again, if you're Ritter, right, like you, you've got to be able to do more against an elite college program. So we'll ultimately see what happens for this young man moving forward. No question about it. But, man, I mean, you know, you've got the game you want between Georgia and between Alabama, two best uh, teams in the nation. I I was disappointed in Michigan. I mean, I got to be honest, right? But, I mean, (laughs) give Georgia a lot of credit. Georgia really came to play. So your thoughts on the upcoming national championship game? The matchup be the matchup between Alabama and Cincinnati, matchup between Michigan and Georgia. Hit me up via Twitter at Botchtoro B O X T O R O W. As mentioned, the latter part of 2021 was really tough, and 2022 did not get off to the right start. Yet John Madden passing away towards the latter part of December. Matter of fact, two days, two thousand. It was December 27th. Two days after this special ran on Fox about John Madden, he passed away unexpectedly. You talk about a man that had more of an impact on the game of football and more specifically pro football in the, the National Football League than anybody else. A lot of the younger kids are going to know him as the video game, Madden, right? You know, if you're me in my age group, you're going to know him more as a broadcaster, and you're going to know him from Madden as well, but you're going to know him more as a broadcaster, right? And if you're a bit older than I am, maybe 10, 15 years older than I am, you're going to know him as the football coach of the Raiders. He He's, he's known less as the coach of the Raiders than the other two, meaning Madden and then as a broadcaster, right? 10 seasons, a winning percentage of like 76%. It's unbelievable, right? Won a Super Bowl with the Raiders. It's, it, it's, man, that is a huge, huge loss with the passing unexpectedly of John Madden. Then, you know, you look at Betty White, the great Betty White. We kept hearing, she wasn't 100 years old yet. You kept hearing all of these things about she's going to be 100 in January. And unfortunately passed away on New Year's at the age of 99 years old. Remember her very well from Golden Girls. You look at Max Julian, right? Played um, the Mac, right? Played the Mac. But even before that, played with, you know, played in some movies with Jack Nicholson. He was from D.C., right? Played in some great, some, some movies even before the Mac. You know, Ken Free, the first commissioner of the MEAC, passed away. You know, Sam Jones, one of the great – we talk about 75 players. We're going to talk more about the top 75 players. I'm going to have some thoughts on that. The greatest 75 players, Sam Jones, certainly one of those players, passed away the Boston Celtic great 12 seasons, 10 NBA championships, all-time great CIAA player at North Carolina Central. Dan Reeves coached, of course, the uh, Broncos, coached the Giants, also passed away. 
early, I think on New Year's Day. So a lot of passings happen latter part of December and already uh, in January. And we are so sad to learn of those passings. And we we have time on the program. We'll talk more about them. Still to come here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Going to be joined by Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones here on the program. The Spartans are off to a 9-4 and four start, but have been hit by COVID. So we'll check in with Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. A listen back to a conversation with the legendary and late Sam Jones. We've had a number of people pass away, as I mentioned, and uh, also passing away the legendary Sidney Poitier. It's going to be a weekend for me of watching nothing but in the heat of the night. Guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, all of those great movies that Sidney Poitier was in. But a listen back with the conversation we had in the past with Sam Jones. Up next here on Box to Row. As a matter of fact, we're going to be joined by Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Abari Hardware, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie Sweet Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of four hundred of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky. Yeah, that's right, because that's the way we roll. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Our first guest of 2022 here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM is in his ninth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. The Spartans are nine and four on the season. Robert Jones, again, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, joining us here on Box to Row. Happy New Year to you, Coach Jones. Appreciate you coming on the program. Happy New Year to you, too. It's got to, for having me. absolutely. I mean, you haven't played 
since what uh, December the 21st and your next game is is scheduled you know next week but who knows with this whole uh, new variant with respect to COVID I know you guys are itching to get out on the court but I want to start here just want to kind of get your thoughts you're off to the good start at nine and four on the season yeah I mean we were yeah I mean we off to a pretty good start um, you know we lost our last couple games but um, overall it was, it was a great first half of the, the season non-conference play for us but um you know I am a little concerned about the layoff uh by the time we play again I guess it'll be like 22 23 days off something like that around that so um you know that, that is a little concerning but overall we did have a pretty good start to the season yeah your next game of course is scheduled for Wednesday uh, right there on campus uh, against Delaware State a MEAC game kind of take us through you had a nice run to start the season and you won four or five straight games uh, there leading into to, that you mentioned this three-game um, losing streak. Just your thoughts on specifically those five straight games you won. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, some of it was scheduling, some of it was the right time, right moment, and a lot of it was us playing the right way, I mean, honestly. Um, you know, when we started the season, obviously we had wins against uh, I guess Tennessee State is in that, and, and I know Tennessee State came came in the season with a lot of fanfare and things like that. So our guys were fired up for that game because you know Tennessee State they're, they're HBCU as well. They just don't play in the Miaco swag. So once again, you know our guys were to show that we're the best HBCU basketball program in the country. So um, they were fired up about that, and and you know obviously an OBC team and things like that. So we were able to win that game, and then um, um, to be honest with you. I'm trying to think who was even in that first five because it seems like we haven't played it so long. I don't remember who we <laughs> yeah. even beat, uh, itching them to play again and itching to get back on the court and have some real live game action. You know, um, we want to build on that nine and four uh, start, and um, we know that we got a bullseye on our back right now going into conference play. Um, you know, we were obviously the defending champs, tournament champs. We won a piece of the regular season title last year. Then we were preseason number one, and now we go into the into the, the, the season, the regular season, the, the conference regular season with the best overall record. So you put all those things together and teams are going to be gunning for you. So we have to be, be ready for that and, and understand that challenge that's about to happen. How are you preparing at least? And, and you don't know. Who knows if you're even going to play on Wednesday. But again, having not played since December the 21st, how are you preparing? Just trying to take it, uh, you know, just little by little because – the one thing you don't want to do is uh, just kind of over-practice because there, there was such thing as over-practice, and I, I believe, um, because, you know, at this point, you know, we played 13 games. These guys want to play again. They're, you know, you try to keep practice uh, energetic. Like, we, we put in a couple of new, new drills, so it's not just like the same um, drills over and over. Just try to keep the, the you know, not the, the lack of monotony uh, going on now, you know, um, uh, through, through this period. So, uh, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job with that. I think the guys are, you know, are happy with the stuff that we put in and, and they're excited. So it, it doesn't seem like we haven't played in that long. And they're kind of counting down till, till Wednesday. You know, um, you know, it's less than a week away right now. So just counting down, hoping that we can play, hoping that we can play Wednesday. Robert Jones in his ninth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on Box to Row. Let me take you back to last year, Coach Jones. A really good season, as you mentioned, a share of the regular season championship. You ultimately win the MEAC tournament title, win a game in the first round. That was an exciting game against App State in which you, you won that game and then went on to, 
to to fall to number one Gonzaga, who of course played in the national championship game. But just your thoughts on last season and also being able to win a game in the NCAA tournament. Oh, I mean, that was a you know obviously just get to the NCAA tournament is a a hard thing to do for a one big conference. You know, like I always say, sometimes you have to be more lucky than good. Um, I do believe that we were good last year. I think our record showed it that we had the best record in the MEAC. But, uh, you know, it's been previous years that I thought that we were the best team, but we just wasn't lucky enough in the uh, conference tournament to, uh, to to get to this NCAA tournament. But once we got there, you know, to win a, to win a basketball game in postseason and an NCAA tournament on national TV was just tremendous. It's something that these guys will probably never forget um, unless they're able to do, a, you know, win another game. So, you know, but uh, I think that um, it's just a tremendous – feet for the for the program for the school you know things like that happen and you see the the spikes in enrollment you see the, the overall camaraderie and the program goes up the everything just goes up along the, the basketball program so um and, and the athletics program as a whole so i think that um you know it was just a tremendous season for us last year and, and um you know we were able to carry it over a little bit this year with the nine and one start that that got a lot of fanfare and, and even now being nine and four it's kind of a carryover from last year i think Robert Jones in his ninth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on the program. I, I, I mean, I, it may be kind of hard to tell at this point, but obviously A&T, Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman no longer in the MEAC. I mean, do you feel like that would have some effect, uh, really one way or the other, in, in terms of basketball in the MEAC? No. To be honest with you, I, I don't think – those are great institutions – that played some great basketball in the in the MEAC. Obviously, A and T won a lot of championships, and and Florida A and M won some championships too, and, and Bethune won a couple of regular season championships and things like that. So, uh, those were three quality programs that exited the conference. But at the same time, you know, we're still here, and um, you know, Morgan is still there, and North Carolina Central is still there, and uh, although Coppin hasn't been, um, you know, maybe the Fang Mitchell's Coppin, but they, you know, they have a great tradition of basketball. And um, you know Howard is uh, is on the rise too. So there's uh, there's still a lot of quality basketball left in the league, and um, you know I don't think it affects uh, it affects it one way or the other. I mean it might affect it in, in a pro in a pro sense, uh, a positive sense for the coaches that are left because honestly your 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 chances of winning the league goes up now. Now everybody has like a twelve and a half, you know twelve percent chance, twelve percent chance, you know percent chance, you know with only eight teams now in the league. So um, you know, that that helps. But uh, as far as the overall quality of play, I think that there's still a lot of great basketball teams left in the MEAC. Let's talk some personnel. Can you speak to the play of your guard, Joe Bryant? He's really, really good and seems to have elevated his game so far this year, averaging 14.2 points per game, your leading scorer. I think uh, Joe is just, you know, his focus has changed. We have talked to him about that a lot because um, with him being a fourth-year player, and you, you know, in his day, you can't even say senior because – Everybody got their, you know, got their, their eligibility year back from last year. So he still technically has another year uh, left, depend, you know, to, to do what he wants to do as far as playing college basketball. But him being a fourth-year guy, we just told him that, you know, you have to take a different leadership role. You have to take a different role in the offense, different role just overall. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys that we had to help lead us to that championship and that NCAA tournament win last year aren't here. Uh, that's the thing that a lot of people don't see. You know, they see, like, okay, Norfolk is still doing good, but – it's really a, a a team full of new faces and new roles and things like that, which is why we're kind of proud of the start that we have had right now because it's, it's, 
it's a kind of a continuation from last year, but it's really not a continuation personal, personnel-wise from last year by any means. So um, Joe has, has led that charge and is doing pretty good for himself. Chris Bankston's a newcomer, and, man, he's really made an impact. He's a gentleman, young man, averaging 11.2 points per game. I, didn't, I haven't looked at the NCAA Division I numbers, but he's shooting 75% from the field. It's got to be leading the NCAA in field goal percentage. If not, he's right up there. Yeah, I think I think he's either leading or not. Or, or I think he's leading, honestly. But the problem with him sometimes, um, they say that he's not getting enough uh, average shot attempts. To, that's why, like he'll he'll bounce back and forth on that list due to how many shot attempts he gets. So I guess I got to do a better job of giving him more shots because I mean he is he is shooting seventy four, seventy five percent from the field. So, um, but he would be leading the the country if um, you know he had the shot attempts that uh, you know he he needs to have to to lead the country. So. Um, you know, he's, he's Chris Banks. Honestly, Chris Banks is a, is a pro, and I'll, and I'll say that to anybody. The problem is sometimes Chris Banks doesn't realize that all the time. So the day Chris Banks didn't realize that he's a pro, he'll be a pro. He has he has all the attributes to be a pro. He's six nine. He jumps out of this world. I mean, he's uh, you know I don't know if you've seen us play or seen any of the highlights, but he has some some amazing dunks that you know like that six nine people are not supposed to do and in game dunks. You know, so. Um, you know, he, he's a pro, and like, like I said, once Chris Banks realizes it, then he he will be a pro. Yeah, a couple more thoughts. Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. I mean, how is he – I mean, you know, when I think of Kylo Quinn, who you recruited, played for you all that – I think it was 2012 when you made that really great run, MEAC tournament championship, beat Missouri in the first round as a 15th seed. I mean, how are – are, are there some, some similarities there, I mean, I, you know, between uh, this kid and Kyle O'Quinn? Kyle was probably overall more skilled. Um, you know, Kyle could shoot the three. Kyle's a great passer. I mean, great, he's still a great passer to, to this day. You know, he was, he was a great passer at the NBA. Nice played overseas. He's a great passer over there. So he's probably a little bit more skilled. But uh, they're about the same height. Um, they're about the same, you know, uh, weights and everything like that. Chris Banks in his elite years – more athletic than Kyle O'Quinn was in college. I mean, it's not even close about how more athletic he is than Kyle O'Quinn was. But so, you know, it's, it's you know, double-edged sword. Kyle has the, 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 the skill set. Chris Banks has the athleticism. Um, and so, you know, it's just it's going to be to, be to be determined on what Chris Bankston really does with himself for the rest of this year. But he has as good a chance as anybody to uh, to make the NBA. And you know, I, I've come on your show plenty of times over the years, and you don't you don't hardly you don't well you don't you don't really hear me say that about anybody that we have because I don't I'm not really a, a huge self promoter about myself or the program. But Chris Bankston is a is a pro, and um, he just needs to like fully understand that and lock in and, and let the second half of the season show it. We appreciate the time, Coach Jones. Last thought: so nine seasons as the head coach, really. I mean, eight under your belt, eight full seasons. Out of those eight full seasons, you've gone to some kind of postseason play six times, NIT, NCAA, where you won uh, only one losing season in during that stretch. Just speak to how you're growing, have grown, as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State. You were an assistant at Norfolk State prior to that. I mean, I think that it's just like with anybody, like, you know, I, I kind of equate it to uh, a player that's like an NBA, you know, like when they first get in there as a rookie, they still try to figure it out. No matter if they're a good rookie or not, um, they still try to figure it out, the landscape. And it might take them a couple years to really figure it out. And then they start to try to, like, reach, like, get in their prime and things like that. 
And, um, you know, I'm not quite sure I'm in my prime or anything like that yet, but I do, I will say that I think uh, things have slowed down for me more. Like my routine is, it's kind of set now. I'm, I'm not trying to like just find myself. And I think that it's shown over the last few years. I mean, if you, you know, I know 20, uh, it was a 1920 season. There was no, um, you know, MEAC championship game. So we've been in the last two uh, MEAC championship games in 19 and, 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 and 21. And then also in 19 and 21, I mean, we went to the NIT and beat Alabama. And then of course we went into the tournament and beat Appalachian state. So um, my, my best two years have been like my last two, years to be honest with you um the, so it's you know it's and, and now it's continuing over right now so i just think that things are just things are just slowing down for me the routine is just better um it's kind of like running itself in a sense because you kind of got your culture in place you kind of got your your coaches understanding what you want from them and things like that so the machine is just kind of running yourself instead of you know those first couple years man when you ripping and running and trying to find yourself and trying to make your identity and figure out your culture and things like that. So I think that's what's been uh, helping. Like I said, I don't know. I, I I don't think I'm in my prime. I'm only 42 years old, but I, you know, I do think I'm. You know, overall things are just slowing down for me. Robert Jones in his ninth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, who plays in the MEAC. The Spartans nine and four on the season, defending MEAC tournament champs, scheduled to play at home on Wednesday against Delaware State. As he joins us here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Coach Jones, as always, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Spartans. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. So Robert Jones says Chris Bankston is a professional, and Robert Jones would definitely know a professional basketball player, no question about it. You know, I look at, and I haven't seen Norfolk State play, and so now I'm really intrigued because this is a kid that transferred in from Little Rock. And if, you know, just sort of looking at the numbers as Coach Jones was talking right there, looking at his bio a little bit on last year, averaged just 3.4 points per game. And he was actually coming off an injury from the 2019-2020 season. But, I mean, when you have that kind of field goal percentage in the 70 percentile, you got to figure he's a guy that's really good around the basket. You look at the... The rebounds, the blocks, probably dunks the ball a lot. He's 6'9", 230, probably really athletic. I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this kid play. And again, Robert Jones says that this kid is an absolute professional in terms of his potential. And we'll have to see ultimately how Chris Bankston looks moving forward. But that Norfolk State team, Joe Bryant, is really, really good. Had a chance to see him, really had a chance to see him play over several years, he's really improved his game. Good basketball player. It's a solid team, defending champions. And um, But, again, think about it. Next game is going to be next week. So it would have been three weeks the last time Norfolk State would have played a basketball game. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Spartans ultimately look. Your thoughts on anything? That Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones had to say, hit me up via Twitter at box to row b o x t o r o w. Up next here on box to row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, a listen back at the legendary and late Sam Jones. 
BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Welcome back to Box to Row. Follow us on Twitter at Box to Row, B O X T O R O W. Also on Instagram, B O X T O R O W. So we have a conversation from the legendary Sam Jones who passed away last week. And this conversation goes all the way back. And I had to had to pull this, and I, because I didn't have a date on this particular conversation with Sam Jones, but in the intro I mentioned the fact that Red Arabak had just passed away. That's why we had Sam Jones on the program for the first time. Had him on at least one more time, uh, if not more. And so this was from the latter part of 2006. Uh, must have been November of 2006 when Sam Jones joined us on Box to Row and first question I asked him was about the late and legendary Red Auerbach. First of all, he was a, a wonderful coach. He, he, he looked into the black schools. Uh, not too many people were looking into the black schools at that particular time, even though Earl Lord, who graduated from West Virginia State University and a member of the uh, CIAA at that particular time back in 1950 was the first black to play a game in the NBA. Now, the first black, I said, to play the game in the NBA was Earl Lord from the CIAA. I want people to remember that. That's right. And secondly, uh, Red, Red Auerbach took a chance on me and drafted me number one. I became the first black man in any sport from a black institution to be drafted number one by a major league team. And so he took an outstanding chance. And at that time, I knew that a lot rested on my shoulders to prove that we in the CIAA, MEAC, SIAC, and SWAC had a right to be playing in the, uh, in the uh, league at that time. And, of course, you, you, you mentioned Earl Lloyd, and we'll definitely get back to him in a moment. But, you know, I read where he was one of your greatest fans. He was quoted, and I'm talking about Red Auerbach, he was quoted as saying about you, he'll do anything you ask him. He's always in shape and ready to play, and nobody works any harder at basketball than he does, end quote. Uh, during your days, what did that mean to you coming from him? First of all, I, I got to say this, that I had great coaches coming up. I had a great coach in high school. Uh, I call him now Dr. F.H. McDuffie. His name was Frank McDuffie. I had a, a wonderful coach in middle school also by the name of Mr. Daniels. I don't forget these people's names because they had a lot to do with the development of your life. And also I had John McLendon, yes. who is in the uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and one of the first coaches in, in, in the uh, Major League Basketball with, with Cleveland. And they were just tremendous coaches in the development of my basketball uh, in my life. And so I can say that when I got the red eye back with all of his talent, now you got to remember 
that we had gone through the fundamentals before we got there. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of carrying out those fundamentals to fit in with what he had to do. And certainly uh, the man was a genius at uh, plays and motivating players, and that means a lot. The legendary Sam Jones joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Definitely want to talk to you uh, about John McClendon a little later on. But, you know, it was said that in 1957, Coach Airback was not impressed with the 1970 or 57 uh, rookie crop and that he selected you based upon what another college coach uh, had told him about you. The story goes that you were devastated because you didn't think you had a chance of making that Celtic team and, and that you were seriously considering a teaching opportunity uh, that you had. Could you tell us about that in those times and how you ended up meeting and impressing uh, Coach Arabat? Well, first of all, it was about being devastated. It was about a team who had just won their first World's Championship and nobody on that team was retiring. Mm-hmm. And I felt that going to a team like that, not by coming from a small school, because if you can play basketball, it doesn't matter where you go to school. Mm-hmm. If you can play, you have a chance of making a team. But I felt that the coach would not cut another player who had just played on his first championship ever. And then I had to go. There were no other teams that I could go to. I was devastated because of the fact I thought someone else was going to draft me in the first round and did it. And so when I got to Boston, I'm, I was not down and out. I said, I've got to play my best. I've got to prove to him that I can play, and I'm a team player. And I think that's what he liked best about me. And uh, he, sort of, he sort of told me that I was after everybody had been cut except me that had come in as a rookie. He told me, he said, I think you're a problem. And I didn't understand that. that the problem was that he was going to have to cut another player mm-hmm. from his team that had won that championship. And that player had been with him for three years. And so that's what happened. I, I just played the same way I played in college. I played as a team, uh, and that helped me in my development. And so I made that team. And by the way, I was a big guard at that time. I was I was just about six five. Right. I was as fast as anybody in the league, and I played defense. I could rebound, and one thing I could do, I could put the ball in the basket, and that meant a lot. And, and to say that. To say that uh, 1957, it was devastated. No, it wasn't. It's just that people were not getting, especially in the black schools, mm-hmm. was not getting the publicity uh, like the white schools were. That's, that was the times uh, that was back there. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the Afro-American, the Amsterdam News, and all that kind of stuff. The uh, journal and guide, there would have been no news for the black colleges. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, you got to remember 1957, the University of North Carolina won 32 straight games and won the NCAA championship, and they had a dynamic team. But Red Auerbach reached out. Didn't get anybody from that area, era, and we, I graduated at the same time, mm-hmm. and he chose Sam Jones. 
I am, you know, so pleased right now to be joined by the legendary Sam Jones as he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Uh, you know, Mr. Jones, speaking of le legends, of, of course, we mentioned this a little earlier. You played for the legendary John McClendon, who studied under James Naismith, uh, the inventor of the game of basketball. Uh, Coach McClendon invented the fast break, uh, which is the style of basketball Coach Arabic coached. Uh, how was it playing for Coach McClendon back then and being able to play that same style uh, under Coach Arabic? in Boston. Well, you got to realize that I want to bring this up, but also John McClendon was an innovator. Years, many years, uh, and even up to a few years ago, many people thought the Four Corners, remember the Four Corners, had been developed by Dean Smith at the University of North Carolina. And we knew that was not true, but this is TV people, the media, who's bringing out things and not getting the fact. Right. Dean Smith finally admitted a few years ago that no, he was not the innovator of the four quarters with Phil Smith and his basketball team, but John McClendon from North Carolina College, which is now officially, as you announced, uh, been renamed to North Carolina Central University. Mm -hmm. John McClendon was a real innovator, and John McClendon, McClendon became the first black coach in basketball to be hired by the Cleveland Pipers of the ABA. Mm. And people forget that. Mm -hmm. And see, people don't know about that. So they think the first black coach that coached in professional basketball was Bill Russell. Mm -hmm. Well, he was the first black coach in the NBA. Right. But John McClendon was the first to be in a major league in basketball. And, and see, that's why we need to know history, and we need to do this. For many years, everyone thought that Cleo Hill was the first black to be drafted number one in the black colleges. Mm -hmm. We just didn't know. And the CIA didn't know it because it came up on the board many, many years that, you know, when we play the CIAA, which is one of the grandest tournaments that you can go in February and March, the last of February, 1st of March. We're drawing 18,000 people. That's right. Started in 1946. But the thing about Cleo Hill was the first drafted. Uh, to be the first black to come out of major uh, historical black college and institution. Well, it was me. I, I, he, he, I preceded him by four years. Mm -hmm. I came out in 1950, 1957. So that means a lot of people don't have their research. That's right. And he played for the uh, great coach, uh, Big House Gaines. That's right. Long, uh, he, he was before Earl Monroe. Right. So you see, I think that I, I think really I had a lot on my shoulders when I went in in 1957. Uh, by me being able to make that squad, being successful with a tremendous team, then they looked down and they saw from the CIAA, CIAA now, Cleo mm -hmm. Hill, Earl Monroe, um, I can't, you know, I'm, uh, list goes on, Bobby Dandridge. Bobby Dandridge. Mm -hmm. you, uh, and then you, you, you begin to find all of these players, uh, Rick Mahorn, that has had great games, and we've got the kid, uh, Ben Wallace. Right. Oh, my gosh, and I, I could keep naming a few of you, you know, they, they just... I just lose it for a while. You know, we, we are forgetful. Right. But uh, 
all of these people came from the CIAA. But look, you look who look at Willis Reed from Grambling, the swack. That's right. We've had great success in the black institutions, and we're still having that success. That was a conversation with Sam Jones from back in 2006, who joined us on Botch to Row. And man, what a what a loss uh, Sam Jones is for North Carolina Central, for the CIAA, uh, ultimately for HBCUs and for the NBA. Ten NBA championships in 12 seasons with the Boston Celtics, And you heard him talk about the legendary, the great John McClendon and just shared a wealth of information. I, I just, in doing that conversation going back now, some 15 years ago, I, I just, I was in awe. Like it was just, you know, I, I, I was, I was getting a history lesson and, and it, and it was absolutely wonderful. We've got more of Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on the other side. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timberlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of four hundred of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky Yeah, that's right. Because that's the way we roll. ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. The great Sidney Portier was announced earlier today, passing away at the age of 94. And I'm trying to think, I think the first time I ever saw Sidney Portier in a movie was The Defiant Ones. I was really, I was young, maybe like, the movie came out in like 1958. I think I was like nine you know, it was on TV and, and watched it uh, because it seemed like the remake with Carl Weathers. I had seen that first right when I was little and then saw, of course, ultimately the defiant ones. That's the first movie I can remember seeing Sidney Poitier in. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed I And then I think the next movie I remember seeing him in was the jackal um if you like we were on a cruise and you know you see the movies on the cruise and that was the movie that they were showing on the cruise 
was the Jackal. So that's the one I next remember seeing Sidney Poitier in. Or not, 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 the, not the Jackal. That was not Shoot to Kill. It was Shoot to Kill that I remember seeing Sidney Poitier in. I remember the Jackal because that was a 90s movie. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, you know, you, you look at Uptown Saturday Night, uh, right? Let's do it again. Uh, a piece of the action, all three of those movies with Bill Cosby. As a matter of fact, he directed all three of those. You know, you know what being in those movies, in those movies in particular, I mean, those probably were, would be considered black, the sort of the black exploitation films of the 70s. I mean, those three movies were absolutely hilarious, but it just shows the range of acting of a Sidney Poitier. And by the way, Oscar award winning actor, uh, really acting in a time when you think about the defiant ones, the latter part of the 50s, 1958 to be specific, right at the beginning of the civil rights movement. Um, you think about, you know, you know, my favorite movie with Sidney Poitier in the heat of the night. Okay. In the heat of the night, was my favorite film. And every time that movie comes on television, I watch it. Of course, there was a sequel to that. They called me Mr. Tibbs. I ultimately saw Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which, by the way, I think was on like a couple of months ago, and I watched it again. So Sidney Poitier was in, first of all, he was a, a, a very defining part of the civil rights movement. Let's be clear about that first and foremost. I remember a patch of blue, right? Like I saw that movie maybe sometime in the eighties. I was really, really young, but you look at all these movies, Porgy and Bess. I, 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 I saw that movie uh, maybe about 10 years ago. I had never seen that movie. Not, not Porgy and Bess. It was a raisin in the sun. It was a raisin in the sun that I had a chance to see him and not, I had a chance, but saw him in on TV I mean, it's so many Paris blues, right? Like I saw that one. And I'm going to tell you what, that TCM channel, uh, Turner Classic Movies, I mean, you can really, I mean, I've, I've watched a bunch of movies that I've seen a little bit more recently. But, you know, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner uh, really struck me. And I had a chance to see that maybe for the first time and watched it in its entirety going back about four or five years ago. But think about that. You look at Uptown Saturday Night, Let's Do It Again, a piece of the action. You look at that range of movies, right? But then you can look at a shoot to kill, right? More in the, when we, 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 when, when, when we think about more, uh, more of the movies that were more action-packed movies, not necessarily. I mean, I guess, I guess those three movies were, were sort of action movies, but they were comedic, uh, right? But then you look at The Jackal. Right. But those are those movies are a far cry from um, uh, guess who's coming to dinner and the defiant ones and all of those uh, great movies. I can't get enough of in the heat of the night. I got to be honest with you. And I saw uh, they call me Mr. Tibbs. Right. I think there were three movies in that series. One of those other movies being they call me Mr. Tibbs, which I had a chance to see maybe about. I don't know, six or seven years ago. And man, I'm telling you, uh, 
boy, what, what a what a what a phenomenal life that Sidney Portier led, a phenomenal career. Also, in that, he was a civil rights pioneer as well and very well respected in Hollywood as a matter of fact I mean you know I mean there weren't many you know just and I obviously I wasn't around during that time but there weren't I mean you had Harry Belafonte uh, of course but there weren't a whole lot of films where uh, where there were a lot of black actors okay and uh, and actresses and furthermore actor black actors and actresses that were starring in leading roles i mean you you know the 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 whole thing if you go back to the 30s and the 40s you were you know played the roles of you know like a bellhop or an elevator operator or you know something along those lines unless you played in an old, a, a a a film that had an all black cast and so for sydney portier to uh, to to kind of not kind of but to be that actor I mean the defiant ones I think was just a career maker right like that was that was the one and in and, and all of and you t- Tony Curtis uh, right starting that with him as well I mean you look at that film and that spoke directly to racism back in the in the latter part of the 50s and right at the cusp of the civil rights movement so that was a huge loss I saw that come across uh, my ticker today, and boy, I just said, "Wow!" I mean, you know, he 94 years old, lived a a wonderful life, a full life, and so certainly, Sidney Portier definitely going to be missed. Had to say that, right? Like you, you think about. I mean, I just think about who he was, and you got the 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 during the Obama administration, the. Presidential Medal of Freedom, all of those things. Oscar Award winner Sidney Portier passing away at the age of 94. I got to get ready to run here on Box to Row. Thank you to Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, for joining us on the program. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM is produced by DW Communications.